Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. All right, guys. Today I'm starting a new series that's going to take us through the month of November. And I've titled this series, Make It Count. Make It Count. Can you say that with me? Make It Count. And when we're talking about make it count, what do you think I'm referring to? I'm referring to our lives, that we would make our lives count, all right? Let me tell it to you like this. We only have one shot at it, okay? We only have one shot. We're only going to be alive, all right, for a certain amount of time that God has given us on this earth. I want to make sure that we make it count. That we each in this room, okay, will take responsibility. Can you say that word with me? Responsibility. Say that. Responsibility. That we would take responsibility. All right? That we could go ahead and leverage the blessings that God has placed in our lives. I want to let you know, and today you're going to hear it, all right, how blessed we are. Okay? The question is, how can we bless, church? The world around us, all right? How can we be a blessing to the world around us? And not only, don't think about the outmost parts of the world. Think of the world around you, okay, from Sunday to Saturday. Think about that world. How can you bless that world? How can you make an impact and make your life count around those that God surrounds you every day? You see, in this series, in this month, we're going to be talking about generosity. Can you say that with me? Generosity. That's one of our core values here at NUMA, all right? Generosity. I want to let you know that as a church, we try to be as generous as we can be. That's, that's one of our core values. Like I said, for example, right now, we're partnering up, all right, as a church with seven other organizations, Okay, organizations that I really believe are making an impact in the world for God's kingdom. Two of those organizations are led, okay, by, by two of my pastors. One by Kurt Nowry, which is called Hope Partners. That, by the way, the ladies during the whole conference, you guys were raising money and raising funds to make a difference through Hope Partners. And one of the things I'm excited about, you know, it's not just in India. It's in Africa. They have a Hope Partners in Costa Rica. They just opened the Hope Partners in Venezuela. Anybody from Venezuela here this morning, all right? They just opened one over there. As a church, we partner up with them on a monthly basis. And when we have conferences like the one that we do, even in a greater amount. Another organization which we're generous towards is called Surge. All right, and Surge is led by my, one of my other pastors, Pastor Larry Stockstill, and Surge has to do with planting churches around the world. I believe the importance of planting good, healthy churches make a difference in a community. How about that? All right, when you have a church that impacts families, that impacts lives, that helps people encounter Jesus, man, that changes the whole community. And we do that through Surge. In the men's conference, all right, one of the things that we launched, which I was so excited about, I said, you know what, guys, let's go ahead and let's sow a seed so that we could plant a church. And we chose a pastor in the area of Peru. And during the men's conference, we raised the funds to be able to go ahead and do that through Surge. That's called generosity. All right, and as a church, all right, I want to let you know that every year, 
okay? We give thousands of dollars because I want you to understand this, and this is a principle I want you to know. You don't give to a church, you give through a church. The money that you give here doesn't stay here. It goes out. It's channeled, okay? It's funneled out of this place. So that lives are continued to be encountered, to be touched, to be, to be changed, all right? And now as we come to the holidays, you know, it's a time where we start thinking about giving. And now you're going to start hearing it on the radio, on TV, you know. You start hearing about all, all these organizations. You could give to this. You could give to that. Why? Because the people start taking a conscience, all right, about being what? About being generous, as the holidays come around, I'm sure you have a list, all right, of people that you try to get them at least a little detail, a little something, just to, for them to know that you're thinking about them, right? All right, and I know some of us, all right, the list every year, like, grows and grows and grows. They're like, uh, where did all these people come from, you know? It's like, this is crazy. I remember when I was, uh, you know... Uh, starting to court my wife and build a relationship with her and stuff like that. I was like, man, I want to do like a little, you know, I want to do something very nice for her. And I want to do a detail, you know, for her mom and, you know, some of the people in her family. And I had just gotten at that time, they gave me a Christmas bonus. You know, I was very excited. I'm like, man, I got my, but little did I know how many people were in Gabby's family, you know? <laughs> so I was like, my Christmas bonus, I saw it just like leaving little by little, you know, I was like, what in the world is going on, you know? Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, it was like a little crazy. So, generosity is so powerful. I want to let you know that. Generosity is so powerful. Jesus said it this way, it's better to give than to receive. And we're going to see that scripture in, in a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of how powerful generosity is. I know ladies, and I'm going to go into the ladies' conference for a second, that decided to pay for other women to come to the conference. And the first night, okay, I was walking around the table, and the people would introduce me, their guests. They would say, oh, pastor, look, I, I brought so-and-so, and, and I brought this other person. And they would speak to me on the side, and they would go, you know, we paid for them to come. You know what was exciting? At the end, all right, when the invitation to come to Christ was given, and those people decided to invite Christ into their heart. That person that had given money for, for their friend to come, and all of a sudden they see their friend's hand going up and receiving Christ. At the end, I had some of those ladies saying, this is the best investment I could have made. Generosity is so exciting. When you get to see the difference that it starts to make in other people's lives. So I want to thank all the ladies that decided to, you know what, not only come, but give money so that somebody else could come. And those people decided to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. That, that was so amazing. No better feeling than that. You know, a couple of years ago, my wife and I went out on a sabbatical time. We took a year, uh, a month off, a year off. Listen to that, a month off. And, and, and the Lord started to show me how he saw Numa Church and what he wanted to do through Numa Church. And one of the things that I wrote down in the statement that we actually gave out to the church that year, and I still have it at home, and it's, it's on my wall, and, and you could go to the elevator next door, and it's, it's, it's up there. I, one of the things is that I see Numa Church as one of the most generous churches in the United States of America. I see that happening. 
I see us getting to that place so that we could be a blessing to so many people. The other day, my son David, you know, we, we were hearing the news. Listen to this. This is amazing. Elon Musk, I don't know how many of you guys know who that gentleman is, all right? He is the richest man in the world by far right now, all right? Just Monday of last week on one day, okay, he, okay, this is crazy what I'm going to say, but his net worth went up by $36 billion in one day. That's exactly how I felt. The same silence that you guys hear here. That's exactly, I just let us sink in a second. And so I was telling my son about this, and and my son asked me this question. He goes, Dad, if you were to meet, you know, if you were to meet him or somebody like that, and and, and they were to give you, listen to what he said, if they were to give you a billion dollars, what would you do with that money? And I told him, I have enough vision. For that and even more because of the things that we want to do for God's kingdom. I'll have enough vision. I know where to put that money. I know how to direct those funds so that they can make a difference for eternity of the lives of people. So Elon Musk, that same week, listen to what he did. He says, if I was to give $6 billion, I don't know if some of you guys read this. If I was to give $6 billion, all right, to NATO to end world hunger, how would you guys handle it? And he asked them for a business plan, and they couldn't provide one. So he goes, I'm not giving the money. He was going to give $6 billion of his earnings from one day, <laughs> and they couldn't provide him a business plan of how that money was going to be used. You come to me and you tell me, Pastor, I want to give you $20,000. I'll give you a business plan for $20,000, all right? Like, listen, we, we want to do this. We're going to do this. Some of you guys are laughing because some of you guys have come and tell me, look, Pastor, I want to do this or I want to do that. What, what can we do? Man, I, I'll let you know, all right? But before, okay, before you can do anything, all right, or have the right kind of behavior, this is important, okay, you don't need to focus on changing your behavior. You need to focus on changing your thinking. Because when it comes to this money thing and being generous stuff, our thinking is all over the place. We're all over the place when it comes to money and finances and generosity. You know, And there's no way you're going to change your behavior and start being generous if your thinking doesn't change according to that. So today's message, I've titled it, Right Think right, do right. Think right, do right. If we think right, we're going to do right. All right? Think right, do right. I want us to go to Proverbs 23. The first part of verse 7. Very simple scripture. It says this. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, your thinking and my thinking dominate our behavior. The way we act is due to what? Is due to our thinking, to our thought process. Okay, so you might be here and say, Pastor, okay, what's the, what's the process of Christianity? What, what's the way that I should be thinking? Well, Romans 12, verse 2, it says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed. That's an important word right there. Be transformed. 
transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's that powerful, okay, let me tell you, look over here, the most powerful weapon on earth is not the atomic bomb. I was reading the other day how many atomic bombs the U.S. and Russia have, all right? One atomic bomb could cause so much destruction. I think two or three could destroy the whole world, all right? The U.S. and Russia both have over 5,000 atomic bombs. That's crazy. Yet, that's not the most powerful weapon in the world. You know what's the most powerful weapon in the world? Pay attention. You know what it is? Your mind. Your mind is the most powerful weapon. With it, you could create so many things. You could bless so many. Or you could cause destruction with your thinking. So the Bible says, be renewed by the transforming of what? Of your mind. And it says here, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Which is good, pleasing, and perfect will. So one of the reasons we come to a service like this church, or you connect online... You know what it is? You, you know why we do that? We come here for the purpose of transformation. Even though you might not think it, you're being transformed right now. Why? Because your thoughts are being challenged by the words that I'm speaking to you today. Your way of thinking is being challenged. And you might be hearing some of the things that I'm saying and you're like, well, I don't know about that or this or that. Listen, I'm speaking to you God's word. Transforming our bad thinking into the thinking that God wants for us. That's what we need to do. We need to start thinking how God wants us to think. God always begins by the way that we think. There's so many things that are coming to me right now. He stands in front of a prophet named Jeremiah. He goes, Jeremiah, what do you see? When he's asking somebody, what do you see, is not to say, well, I see a, a great chair. No, God wants to see the way that you're thinking, the way that you're processing. The other day I was sitting with my kids. I picked them up from school, and we were talking about this whole identity crisis issue and homosexuality. And I wanted to see how they're thinking, so I started to ask them questions. Because I want to know what's their thought process. Because as a man thinks, so he is. So Paul is mentoring this young man named Timothy in the Bible. And Timothy, he sent them out to be a pastor. And when you look at people that study, they're called theologians, people that study the Bible, they've gone through all these things. They think that Timothy might have been anywhere between 17 and 21 years old when Paul is sending him to pastor a church. And I became the pastor of this church at 33, and I think I was young. Timothy's like 17, 18, 19, pastoring a church already. And Paul writes him a letter, and this is going to be the base scripture for this series that we're going to be doing. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verse 17 through 19. Okay, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Listen to what Paul is telling Timothy. He goes, command those who are rich... In this present world, and maybe you read that and you're like, Pastor, that's not me. Oh no, we're gonna see this in a second, all right? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Pay attention. 
Because some of the people out there and some of the ways of thinking is like, oh, you can't do this. You can't, you can't use your money. You know, God doesn't want you to make money. And then, no, no, no. God provides for your enjoyment. There's no problem that you enjoy what you make. I think that's important. But listen to what it says. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Oh. So it's not only all for your entertainment and not only all for your enjoyment, but there's other things that God wants us to do with that as well. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. What, what Paul is telling Timothy, tell those that are rich, command them how to use their money well because they can lay a foundation for the coming world. In other words, what you see here is not everything. Don't only build for this world. Don't only focus, you know, on using your wealth to get yourself in a comfortable position here. Because this is going to end. But let them store it, it says here, for a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold. And that's where the title of the whole series came from. They could take hold of the life that is truly life. And that's where I came with the title, Hey, Make It Count. Make your life, your true life, count for eternity to make a difference. The question is, why is Paul asking Timothy to teach his church this? Why is Paul telling Timothy to teach the rich people in his church this? Listen, why? Because we... Can you say that with me? We. Can you say the word we? Say it together. Come on, again. Okay, listen. We who are rich. And you might be like, oh, no, pastor, that's far away from me. You don't know how hard I work. I got three jobs. No. We. <laughs> You're going to see it in a second. We who are rich. And those that are rich are really not good at it. We're not good at it. I'm going to give you some things that are really going to blow your mind as I was studying for this message, all right? Listen to this. The average household income in the U.S. in 2019, you're ready for this? Average household income in the U.S. in 2019. This is pre-pandemic. Average household income, $63,000 a year. Household income, husband working, the wife is working, you know, they're bringing in the money, they're putting it together. Average household income in the U.S., $63,000 in 2019. You ready for this? Average household income in the world in 2019, outside of the U.S., you exclude the U.S., you take the rest of the world, and you take the average household income in 2019, you know what it was? $2,000. Yearly. But pastor, how about the people that live in Europe and England and France? Yeah, how about the ones that live in Africa and India and in Thailand and in China? And when you average everything together, average household income, $2,000 a year. So I'm going to say something that is going to sound crazy, but according to the global rich list, those in the U.S., all right, that make more 
then $2,000 a year are in the top 1% of the world being rich. You're making over $63,000, you're in the top 0.17 of the 1%. Let that sink in. So when Paul says, command those that are rich, oh, it includes everybody in this room. It includes you guys that are watching online that you're like, oh, thank you, I'm not in that room. No, it includes you too. You're part of that. We're part of this. And statistically, listen to this, this is crazy. But the more Americans make, the less they give. This is statistically. And why does this happen? Because of bad thinking. It happens because of bad thinking. That bad thinking leads to what? To bad behavior. You don't think right about the riches, about the money you have. It leads to bad behavior. So the question is, the question, all right, that I want to answer this morning, why are the rich not good at being rich? Why are we not good being rich, being generous? What is the wrong way of thinking that we have about this? Well, write this down, number one. Number one. Rich people don't like to admit that they're rich. Write that down. Rich people don't like to admit that they're rich. And and how do I know that? Because tall people, they admit that they're tall. If you ask somebody that's tall, hey, bro, you're tall. And they're like, yeah, man. You know, they're, they're proud of being tall. You know what I'm saying? You ask somebody that is athletic. I grew up around sports. They're like, bro, you are athletic, man. You are amazing. How can you do that? They admit it. They're like, hey, man, you know, I'm like that. People that are good with numbers. Anybody out there that is good with numbers? You're a good mathematician. You just see numbers all over the place. All right. People that are good with numbers. Look, you rose your hand. Because what? You're like, I have no problem, man. I'm good with numbers. Now, if I was to ask, how many of you guys here are rich? Even if you're rich, you won't raise your hand. Because you don't like to admit it. You don't like to say that you're rich. You don't like to say that you're wealthy. And you know how I know this? Listen to this. This is hilarious. This is funny. Okay, but there was a poll, okay, that was done. A Gallup poll, 2019 as well. This is crazy. And and this Gallup poll, they asked over 2,000 people, and this is what that Gallup poll said. They asked, what do you consider somebody to be rich or be wealthy? And they said, anybody that makes over $150,000 a year, we consider those people rich. So according to this Gallup poll, 2,000 people, 2019, if you make more than $150,000 a year, they consider you rich. All right? Now, listen to this. That same Gallup poll, they asked people that made between twenty dollars and $35,000 a year, Who did they consider to be rich and wealthy? They said, whoever makes $75,000 a year. And you might be here and you're like, I make $75,000. You don't know how hard it is. (laughs) It's like living in Miami, you can't even get anywhere with that. Well, they consider you rich. What I'm trying to say is that no matter what you make, you're never going to consider yourself rich. You're always going to say, no, it's somebody else. There's a magazine called Money Magazine. And in Money Magazine, they did a survey. Who do they consider to be wealthy people? And you know what they said? These are wealthy people. Okay, the people of Money Magazine, all right? All the people that they hang and they interview, those are wealthy people. They said, whoever makes more than $5 million. If you have a $5 million worth net, you're considered wealthy or rich. 
Oh, so if you make one or two or three, you're, you're poor. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're never, okay, going to admit it when you're rich or wealthy. You're never going to admit it. So, so what's the conclusion? This is the conclusion that I came up with, you know. The reality is no one's rich, but you know somebody that is, you know, because you're never going to admit it. But he's like, oh, no, I know a couple of people that are there. No, we are, according to the Scripture. We, we, we've been blessed like that. We've been blessed like that. And what do I want to say with this? We don't like to admit it, but we are. We are blessed. We are rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Look at this beautiful scripture. It says, You know the gracious grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that by his poverty, he can make you rich. What is saying that Jesus was what? Was generous. Generosity, what does generosity do? Generosity gives to do what? To, what? to bless others. Because of Jesus' generosity, he emptied himself of his richness that we who we were poor spiritually in every aspect, we were made rich. And God, what he's doing is that he's laying an example for us. So I want to tell you something, church, this morning. You guys are watching online. You guys that are here, all right? If you're rich, okay, God is entrusting you with something to make a difference in this world. We all have something to give. I remember some years ago, I went to Cuba, and things have gotten worse over there since the time that I was there. And I went to Cuba, and I went to this lady's house. And this lady was so happy to have me. She told me this. I'll never forget it. She goes, Pastor, I have only a cup of water to offer you. Can you take it? I've never heard that before. Nobody has ever told me the only thing I could offer you is a cup of water. She lived in a little shack. It was falling apart. And she came and she goes, today I have cold water. And she brought me this full glass of water. Of course, my mind is like, I wonder where she got this water from, if I drink it and all these things. Because I come from a rich country. And I had two choices. Either leave that cup of water there and don't touch it and break her heart. Or say, you know what, Father, in Jesus' name, I cover myself with the blood of Christ and get that cup and chug that thing down because that lady was giving me her best at that moment. We all have something to give. We all have something to share. We all have something to be generous with. You understand what I'm telling you this morning? I want to thank this morning couple of people because the women's conference was exciting it was good to see all the ladies last night here and see balloons all over the place and there was a moment that they you know pulled the confetti thing it sounded like they shot somebody in this place you know some of the ladies almost dropped to the floor and everything it was it was amazing it was crazy and 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 i want to thank some sponsors because there was some people that were generous to make all this stuff happen 
All right, and, and I want to, you know, some of our sponsors, if you guys are here, I want to give you guys a shout out. I want to give a shout out to Alama Express, which is Alain and his company. They were sponsored and man, they, they made a difference. I want to give a shout out to Sushi Saki. All right, the ladies, you guys enjoy the sushi that was here last night in that after party. All right, they were so generous in sponsoring with, with, with that food. I want to thank Familia Tundidor Gonzalez. They were so generous and they're here in this room this morning. And I want to thank you guys for making a difference. I want to thank our legacy team here at Numa Church. Part of the people that are in the legacy team, they're making a difference through their giving. I want to thank Marjorie, Marjorie, Marjorie's meals, because she was taking care of the ladies the whole weekend with food and snacks and coffee and stuff like that. And I want to thank this, this company, Arti Ideas by Jackie. Jackie is one of our teachers of our school, and she's so creative, and she decided to sew everything that had to do with decorations. Generosity. Making a difference through your giving. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says this, You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Let that sink in. God wants to enrich you in every way, so that you can be generous when? When pastor takes up an offering? No, on every occasion. That's the scripture. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God wants us to be generous, what church, in every occasion. The second reason why the rich people are not good at being rich. Second reason why we have this bad way of thinking. I want you to write this down. Rich people are plagued with discontentment. Oh, that sounds hard, Pastor. What do you mean by that? We're going to get into that. All right. Rich people are plagued by discontentment. What do you mean by that? This is what I mean. The more things we have, the more things we want. I'm going to repeat that. The more things we have, the more things we want. You know why? Because things don't satisfy our appetites. This is crazy, but something about appetite, I want you to listen to this, that once you receive that that you've been craving, it doesn't take away your appetite. It makes you want more of that. When you have an appetite for something and you taste what that craving is, it doesn't remove it. You want more. You want more of that. Look what the Bible says about this, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 through 12, and I'm going to run. It says, those who love money will never have enough. Now, the key word here is what? Love money. Money is not bad. What's the problem? When you love money, if you love money, then it's going to be an issue. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Ain't that the truth right there? What are they talking about? Telemarketers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Bible's prophesying, you know, those people are going to call you. Hey, you know, we got a timeshare here or there. So what good is your wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? 
People who, listen to this, who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich solemn get a good night's sleep. That's crazy. But it's true. Have you ever seen, okay, people that you and I consider to be wealthy and rich, how their lifestyle is? They have a lot more problems than a person that doesn't have that kind of wealth. They're, they're, they're walking around maybe with bodyguards. They have people that are taking care of them. They're, they're thinking how to protect their money and how to protect their investment, how to have an insurance for this and this for that. And you see them all going crazy and it's like, man, it's like, it's nuts. And that's what the Bible is referring to. Now, this part here, people that are rich, sometimes we act weird. What, what, what do you mean that we act weird? Uh, uh, maybe you know somebody like this. I'm not saying it's you. I'm not saying it's you. But maybe they're sitting close to you right now. All right? Uh, 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 for example, we, we try to upgrade. You, you guys know what upgrading is? When you have something that is fully functional and good, and you just say, it's not good now, I just got to get a, a newer model. You guys know somebody like that. I'm not saying it's you. All right? Like, like for example, I know people, I, I've never done this, that, that will go into a car dealership, all right, and take in a perfectly functional car and give money to the guy in the car dealer to take their perfect functional car so you can take out another one that you're going to be paying more for. Uh, you know anybody like that? No, just, just in case you know, you know, it's like, uh, it's like crazy. You know? It's crazy thinking. You know, uh, 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 another, you know, we those rich people act weird. I'll give you another example. We could take a fully functional kitchen. Only happens here in the U.S. Okay, fully functional cabinets, all right, and microwave and stove top and, and refrigerator and, and say, you know what, let's just rip all this apart. And all of a sudden, you pay thousands of dollars to get what? A countertop and cabinets and a microwave and a refrigerator. Like, it's a little weird, you know? Or, or how about this one? The, the iPhone 13 came out not too long ago. And you have people that'll make lines outside the store. And, 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 and listen to this. They'll be outside the store using their iPhone 12, texting their friend, hey, I'm in the line to get the iPhone 13. A little weird, you know, to, to act like this. Or, or, or how about this? How about when, when, I'm not saying it's you, you might know somebody like this, all right? Uh, my wife stepped out of the room. Okay, I could say this right now. How about somebody that, 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 that could step in to the closet and get the word, step in, because our clothes have a room, you know? It's, it's kind of, our clothes have a room, you know? And, and you could stand in the closet, and, and husbands, Husbands, you look at your wife stand in the room for the clothes and look around and say these words, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> have anybody seen someone with that strange behavior lately? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe when Gabby walks in, everybody just smile. Don't say I said this, you know. Worship team, you guys, come on. We just need to be right, reminded. Shh. We need to be reminded once in a while 
that we have a lot of stuff. We have to be reminded that we have a lot of stuff. And, and this is the key. Having a lot of stuff doesn't make us happy. Because your appetite is never going to be satisfied. You're always going to want more. These things were never meant to satisfy us. Material things are never going to be able to satisfy you. I want to tell you that today. You've never known anybody that is passing away. Ask for his bank statements. Somebody that is passing away saying, you know what? Bring all my memorabilia. I've collected paintings. I want all my paintings here in the room. Or say, you know what? Bring all my sneaker collection. I've been collecting Jordans for the last 20 years. I want to see all my shoes before I die. <laughs> you know? Nobody says that because when it's time, okay, when it's time for you to really evaluate what matters and what counts, the material things are not included in that. And the last one, why rich people are really not that good at, at, at being rich. Rich people have this false sense of security. They have a false sense of, of security. You know, and we, we, we think like this. I want to be financially secure. I, I want to secure myself from all calamities, so I want to be financially secure, and, and I, I want to be well. And, and, and Proverbs 18.11, look what it says. Proverbs 18.11. It says, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. I love the word there where it says, the rich think their wealth is a strong defense. They think it. It's the way they're thinking. If I could just insulate myself from all the problems... If I could just build a high wall, and it says they imagine it. What does that mean? It's not true. It's just an imagination that they're building up, a thought that they're building up. If I just build a high, you know, concrete wall where the problems will never get to where I am, then I'm going to be well. And the question is, is that true? No. Because if you could actually build a safety net around you or a wall high enough so that you insulate yourselves from all the problems, this is the question, how much wealth would you need in order to build that wall high enough? You know how much? It will never be enough. Never be enough. You always will find something else and say, oh man, I need to protect myself from this or, or from that. It'll be more than you currently have, so you won't be satisfied. You won't be happy. So that's why when rich people make money, instead of being more generous, they stop giving. Why? Because these are the ways that they're thinking. And once again, don't think of rich people out there. Think of us. Now, as I conclude this morning... I believe, and this is not all bad, I believe that we all should save. I think we all should have savings account. I think we should get ready, you know, for a rainy day. I definitely believe that. As a church, we have a savings account. But the problem is, when you put your trust in that, when you believe that your safety is in that, 
The problem is that that becomes your safety and not God. And God doesn't become your place of protection. And all these ideas that I've been talking about this morning, they challenge our thinking. This is a wrong way of thinking. So you're like, Pastor, so how do I think right about this? What's my way of thinking right? Remember, think right, do right. That's the name of today's message. So I'll just give you this and write it down. I have no time to get into this. I'm not going to tell you, sell everything away and give it to the poor. (laughs) I'm not going to say, go ahead and live a miserable life, you know, and whip yourself and live horribly. I'm not going to say that. I just read to you a moment ago that God provides and he wants you to enjoy it. So how do you do? Okay, number one, be grateful. That's number one. Be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. It wasn't your strength. It wasn't your brightness. It wasn't that your parents sent you to the best college. It wasn't this. It was God, his favor, his goodness upon you. Be grateful. We're about to come into Thanksgiving. You know what? It's my favorite holiday of the whole year. It's not Christmas. I I love Christmas. I love the, the Christmas season. But holiday, Thanksgiving. You know why? Because God has been so good to me. God has been so good to me. You know how many people, just I'm going to give you, you know how many people have passed away in this last year and a half and you're here? You're here. You're alive. You're well. And that's why we're going to have a Thanksgiving service here on Wednesday the 24th. I want you guys to make plans to be here. I want you to make plans to invite people. We're going to have a Thanksgiving service. What we're going to do, Pastor, we're going to be thankful. We're going to be grateful to God. We're going to give Him thanks for everything He's done. And every year we pick up a Thanksgiving offering that day. And why do we do that, Pastor? Because He's been good. Because He's provided for us. Pastor, is that my tithes and offerings? No, it's a Thanksgiving offering. If I'm grateful to God, I'm going to bring this offering to Him in gratitude for what He's done in my life. So I will be grateful. Number two. Okay, if we're going to think the right way, okay, I will lead with generosity. Write that down. I will lead with generosity. What do we do with the unsatisfaction that we have that we always got to get more, 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 more? Lead with generosity. What do I mean by that? Put God first. And this is the moment that the pastor would talk about the tithe, all right? (laughs) Because you got to put God first. It doesn't mean, listen, to me the tithe is not just a percentage, It's a spiritual principle of putting God first in my life. Before I buy a hundred things, the first of what he gave me, I'm going to give it back to him. I'm going to bless him with it. That's it. I'm going to lead with generosity. If I lead with generosity, then everything else is going to fall in its place. Why? Because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What am I letting be the treasure in my life? So what I do is first, Lord. The other day, my wife was like, you're like an Orthodox Jew with that. And I'm like, I am. It was six in the morning. We were about to wake up the kids. And I had just gotten my paycheck. And I'm getting the Simple Church app. And she's like, who are you writing at this time? I'm sending in my tithe. She goes, hey, but you could do that like around eight or nine. No, because I might stop somewhere else and buy something. And it's not going to be first. First. God is first. God is first. And the last one. All right, I love this one. 
we close, I will put my hope in God. I will put my hope in God. Don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in riches. It will never be enough. Put your hope in God. And I'll close with the scripture that I think is beautiful. Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9. Look at what King Solomon says. He goes, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Why did he start with that? Because when we start believing these things, they're lies. When we have these, when we imagine that wealth could insulate us from problems, is a lie. Keep falsehood and lies far away from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. This was the wealthiest guy alive at that time. And he says, don't give me poverty, but don't give me riches. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? What that means is, Lord, I'll come and look for you when the next problem strikes. But right now I'm good, so I don't really need to look for you. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So that is the balance that we need to strike. Neither one or the other. My heart is in the right place. How is my heart in the right place? When he is my hope in the midst of every situation. I want you to close your eyes this morning right there where you're at. I want you in your heart this morning just to say this. In your heart, I want you to say, I will not trust in riches, but in Him who richly provides. I will not trust in riches. I will trust in Him who richly provides. And let that be your prayer this morning so that we could correct our way of thinking. So that we could start aligning our way of thinking to the way of God thinking.
today, just take a moment. If you want to make your life count, it starts by putting your hope in God. And if you've been putting your hope on your ability, on your strength, on your ability to make riches and wealth and all these plans and all these things, and you feel that you've diverted from having your hope in God, right now is the moment that you align that. This is the moment where you say, Lord, steer my heart back to where it needs to be. Align my heart once again with you. Let, let generosity rule my way of thinking. Let me understand that everything that I have has been richly, generously given to me by you, Lord. So that I can make a difference in this world. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for all the things that you've given me. Allow my heart not to be in that, Lord. Allow you to have my heart. Right there with your eyes closed, head bowed. If you've never put your hope in God for salvation, I want to give you that opportunity right now. You might be in this room, you might be watching online, and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. To be your Savior, to pay for your sins. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for your sins and my sins. And if today you decide to put your hope, not on what you can do to get to God, but you decide to put your hope in what He already did on that cross to pay for you and me, the Bible says that your sins are forgiven and you become a son or daughter of God. And if today you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to shift my hope from the way that I've been trusting to be saved, to have a relationship with God, through my good words, through my deeds, through my prayer, I want to shift that hope into what Christ already did for me. And if that is you here in this room today, or watching, I want you to make this prayer with me. You're going to say, Lord Jesus, today I invite you into my life, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. Today I receive you and I declare that I become a son or daughter of God through your sacrifice on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus. Now take me by the hand into the arms of my heavenly Father and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can live the life that you have for me from this moment on. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you and we hope to connect with you soon.